podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. So it's uh, all for play for still? I think so. Do you want to bet against us? Hi villains and welcome to For the Love of Pomegranate podcast. Today, myself and Paddy are going to be talking to you about the Spurs game coming up the weekend. The long-awaited Spurs game, obviously cancelled earlier on in the year due to coronavirus. And now we're in the strange situation where we play Spurs twice in the in the last uh, 10 games of the season, I think it is, Paddy. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. But that all pales in significance about the it pales in significance in comparison to today being a really, really special day. It's somebody very special birthday today. And uh, Dean Smith, happy Dean birthday. He's 50 today. He's 50 today. But he's not the only person, Paddy. You didn't think I was going to get you away with this one. <laughs> Paddy's called Paddy for a reason. It's because he was born in around St. Patrick's Day. And today is also Paddy's birthday. But I don't think he's quite hit the 50 mark yet. I don't think he's quite quite uh, 50 not oh, out just yet. catching up to do yet. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a big birthday. Um, <laughs> yeah, but I think... Only legends were born today, so what can we say? Seems to be, yeah, it's a great day for Aston Villa, I think, the 19th of March. It's, got, it's a great day for Villa, as I say. Um, and it's really strange because uh, I never copped that Paddy was born the same day as Dean Smith until I opened up my uh, opened up Twitter this morning and saw Aston Villa congratulating Dean Smith and, and, and being 50. And then I went, wait a minute, talk about serendipity. Yeah, it needs to be. A, yeah. Everything happens for a reason. So that means you're probably next in line to manage Villa? That's what I'm reckon? getting from this. Yeah. <laughs> Gonna get my ticket requests in quick in quickly. Can I do can I give me a job? Can I be water boy or something? I'll take oh, that yeah. job. I'll take Maybe water. Something out, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Yeah, so we're going to chat, chat today about Spurs. What we do have coming up in this as well. So myself and Paddy are going to chat for a small little bit. I do have the wonderful Matt Hayes from the Tottenham, uh, from Tottenham Blog Podcast as well. He is, uh, I recorded with him earlier on in the week, and we're going to pop this, pop that out on this as well. Really, really interesting guy. And, uh, you know, it was a really great great chat with Matt Hayes. Um, you can go and you can find him on any of the socials as well. Uh, you'll be able to see all his stuff there in this video too. But before we get to that, um, as I say, Paddy, what are your thoughts on this weekend? We've just heard the press conference from Dean Smith. And um, are you hopeful, I suppose? The big question is, will Jack Grealish suit up for the weekend? Um, <clears throat> given the fact that he hasn't taken part in training at this stage, I would say he won't play. Um and it's probably too much of a risk, bearing in mind that we've got two weeks off and he hasn't been included in the England squad. So for me, it's a no. Um, I'm trying to uh, keep the glass half full and say, look, we, we'll, we'll have him for the run-in, um, give him these two weeks to, to get himself up to speed, uh, or throw him in there for the last half an hour and then give him two weeks recovery and yeah, getting up to match fitness. Um, I believe there's a match set up for Wesley over the international break as well. So that might be an opportunity for him to get 90 minutes under his belt too. So for me, he won't start. I wouldn't rule out him being on the bench with, with the opportunity of coming on with 
half an hour, 20 minutes to, to change the game. And, and that's that's how I'm seeing it at the moment. I'm not I'm not annoyed over it. I think, you know, it has to be done as is, as much as I'd love to have him in the team. Um, that's what I'm reading between the lines anyway. See, I'm the opposite here. Um, I'm not really the opposite. That's that's not where I am. But I think this is just Dean Smith being Dean Smith and basically saying, "Mind your own fucking business" to everybody else. And you'll find out an hour. <laughs> you'll find out an hour before the game because I'm not giving Jose Mourinho any inkling as to whether I'm going to play him. Um, whether he's in training or not, the fact that he's been running to me, like like realistically. <laughs> Look, Jack Grealish, what do, you, what do you need him in training for, really? To From the point of view of, we know what the game plan is. It's get it to him and let him do the things that come naturally to him. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, that Jack Grealish isn't, is, like, he isn't schemed into certain things. There's no tactical scheming goes on. It's get the ball to him, let him draw a foul. And that's probably the, the, big, the, the, the piece that I'm not so comfortable with is the fact that he does take quite a kick in, in matches. And if this is a shin issue, um, that's probably where I'm coming from. Um, my, my doubt is coming from here. But... I would not be surprised to see him start. I'm actually more probably 60% he starts, 40% he doesn't start. That's where I'm on this one because I do think that if he goes out of it, if he goes goes through, gets through this game and then maybe has maybe a bit of stiffness or soreness, he still has two weeks afterwards to rest it up. You know, yeah, so possibly, possibly. But for, the, my main my main reason for for saying he won't start is that Dean Smith has said he's back on the grass, but he hasn't trained. With yeah, him. yeah. So that, that's what's. Um, but would it, would it be in a Sunday game? Would it be in a Sunday game? I think that if he uh, and the fact that the press conference was this morning, and you know he could be he'll be training with them today. I just I think there's a bit of jiggery pokey pokery going on there by Dean Smith, and I think he's it's a case of listen, mind your own business. There's, if there's one person I don't want to allow tactically prepare for Jack Grealish, it's Jose Mourinho because of the fact mm. that he is such a defensive mastermind. And he is. He's, he's good defensively. You know, you have to have to say that about Jose. Yeah. It's about Jose. So I, I think that's probably where it is. But look, that's probably me really wanting him back more than anything else in the whole entire world. More so than having... Uh, that's This is me with my claret and blue glasses on, I think, more mm. so than anything else and hopeful. But as I say, it, it's all up in the air really as to whether he starts the... I did a Spurs, as I said, I did a Spurs piece with Matt Hayes, and, and they're praying above all else that uh, Jack Grealish doesn't play because their confidence is through the floor even after last night's defeat um, mm. against against Dynamo Zagreb. When I'd recorded, it was before that game, so it, uh, they, they weren't too too hopeful on on that uh, on that score. Um, yeah. They will get through. But, uh, yeah, as, as I say, apart from that, Paddy, do you think there's going to be any other... Like on a tryout or or midfield three, we started at the start of the year, or what do you think is the is the scenario there? Do you know what? Let's make this even easier. I've came prepared, Paddy. Let me just share this up on the screen for any of you watching on YouTube. Let me just share this up on the screen. Look at that. We have. Our, oh, let me get rid of those names. Can you stay used to this? Trying to be get as used to this as I can. So we have our team up there. I think it's fair enough. Paddy said that Martinez will be in goals. Absolutely, <laughs> I think that's fair enough. Yeah, I think we see Matty Cash comes back in at right back. Um, I think so. Yeah, the fact that he was named on the bench last week and has had another week to recover. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Kanza, unlucky not to be named in the England squad, and Mings uh, named in the England squad. I don't think there's going to think it would be a massive surprise if either of the two of those weren't picked. And then Matty Target, another guy unlucky to be named in the England squad as well. So I think our back five are more or less 
set. I have provisionally put Douglas Louise and John McGinn in there. Now, obviously, that I suppose Douglas Louise is not set in stone to be there yeah. after anything we've seen since in the last five, six games. What's your views? Do you think he stays in there? Um, <clears throat> I think this is the game for Nakamba for me. Um, okay. Just, just basing it on how he's been deployed over the last games that he did start, it was it was when they've got playmakers and people that can hurt you in the middle and it could be a tendency to overrun you in the middle that he, he's there. So um, for me, I think Nakamba will start. Uh, he, would he start at two of them? Don't think so. Um, but that could come down to who's fit further up the pitch. Who in their midfield is going to overrun us, Paddy? If they don't have Son, if they don't have Lamella, who? In the well, that's the thing, you know. Position? Son is the Son is the is the the big thing that you're preparing for all along. It, they still say he's doubtful as opposed to being out. I think having pulled the hamstring last week, he's out. I think he's um, out too. Uh, Lamella is out. So I suppose the big question is who does uh, who do they think is going to come in? Is it Lacelso and Dunbar? He's out too. I think the Celso is out. Yeah, I think uh, I'm almost certain he's out too. Yeah. Okay. Um, but he came on last night now, so I I presumed he was. Did he? Sorry, if he came on last yeah. night, that's probably better. I, I just know that he wasn't. Um, that he, he wasn't fit to play against Arsenal, so that's where I was coming from. From there. Yeah. Mm. Um. Like. Did this? This could be a completely way off. Um. Anticipation of of where Jose is going to be. Um. He's a tendency when when he's had a couple of bad results to shut up shop, and I actually hope he does that at the weekend because it, yeah. I think we might get something out of the game if he does. Um, yeah, they're they're lacking a bit in midfield. Um, he he'll play a similar system to us. It'd be a four-two-three-one, I'd imagine. Um, Mora, Ali, and a another. Um, Ali yeah. with Harry Harry Winks and and uh, Sissoko sitting possibly. Um, but he, he's another guy that you don't second guess because he is capable of of, of throwing a curveball in there on match day. So that that bears the question that obviously I've got to. So you don't think Louise is going to be in there? Let's put Nakamba in there for the moment and um, uh, come back to me. Okay. All right, so let's say we put Nakamba in there. Does McGinn start this game? I think he does. He's started every game this year, so I think McGinn is in yeah. there. Next question is here. So if we do play Nakamba, we, and you're saying we don't have Jack Grealish, I'm saying that we potentially do. If we don't have Jack Grealish, we're less likely to play uh, four, two, three, one. I think that's pretty fair to say now because we have yep. Yep. So uh, if we're going on the line that we're not playing Jack Grealish, let's change the formation to a four-three-three, a four-three-three. Yeah. Do we have the opportunity here to maybe start Louise as well as McGinn? Absolutely. Um, I think I think he'll play with two sixes and an eight if he goes with the four-three-three as opposed to uh, a six and an eight and a ten. So. Um, I think that that for me is is how I anticipate he will line up with both Luis Nakamba and McGinn in the middle. It's interesting because we haven't seen it this year at all. So mm. um, and it's something that I think that we've we've called out for now. Obviously, you know, not not maybe in this exact setup here. I would imagine that McGinn would be back a small bit further. But I don't hate it. I absolutely don't hate it. And I think against Spurs. Um, 
you know, we'll get to what our what our feelings are, what we'd accept from this game. And I, yeah. I, I think I like this. If we don't have a Jack Grealish here, I think I like this setup in the middle of midfield. I don't think we can afford to be too passive in the middle of midfield. And I think that I think that this suit this this might suit us a small bit more. Um we know he loves Ross Barkley. So like the likelihood here is that Barkley is is going to be in here somewhere. I don't think this is a game for Jacob Ramsey. I'm not quite sure it's a game for Sansan in here in the middle of midfield. But we're going to move on to our, to, to our two guys who are yeah. obviously going to flank Ali Watkins. Yeah. Well, now, I think they, what we're, I, I think what I'd like to discuss here now is, the, is and keep going as to what we would like to see as opposed to what we think he'll do from mm-hmm. here on up. Because well, what, really, what we'd like to see changes everything because we'd like to see Jack playing on the left yeah, and a 4-2-3-1. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it, uh, I would imagine it's going to be like for like of what he has been doing without Jack and it's going to be a 4-3-3. So as we see it, the three that are sitting in midfield is 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 how I would would see it being played out against a team like Spurs. And then um if if we're to believe what he says, but no no reason not to believe it, but uh Bertie has had an injection and, and will start on the right. Okay. So we put in Bertie in there. Uh, in there and that kind of leaves the left to pick itself really there's no and, well and, and 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 i wouldn't like this is where i'm coming from here if i was picking this team i would play morgan sanson on the right and i would play maybe i don't know i, I would try and find maybe see if Bertie can move over to that left hand side yeah well if, if i was uh, as we're looking at it right now if i was picking it it'd be Bertie on the left and put Sanson on the right, but you know, there's. I just, I'm not sure if I can watch El Ghazi uh, against Spurs. No, no. I can't saying do. that, he goes out yeah. and he scores a penalty in the first five minutes, and then he goes on to score another goal later on and has 15 shots in the game and stings the keeper's hands 10 of those 15 shots. But I prefer to be wrong on El Ghazi, at the, El Ghazi than to pin my hopes on him being the game changer for this game. He's just too hot and cold for me at the moment, and his performance against his performance against Newcastle. And look, it's just yeah, it, it it's just not happening for him at the moment, and that's fine. It's okay to be a streaky player in the Premier League. He was fantastic in December, but you know we praised him in December. We, sorry, we we denigrated him. We play, praised him, and now we're back to this again because you know we just have to call it as we see it. It's not we don't like him. I'm just not sure that he's. I'm just not sure he's the man for this game. No, I think history tells us that there, he's he's heading for a spell on the sidelines until till he proves he's up for another run at it. Um, so for me, it's going to be Trezeguet in that position. That, uh-huh. that that you you said that's how you know I would like to see Bertie on the left and then Sanson on the right, but we're we're, we're talking about what he's actually going to do. I think it's going to be Trezeguet and Bertie. The reason I would like to go with Sensan on Bertie is that Sensan allows you to drop, allows Sensan to drop and to move from a bit deeper to bring us to a, almost a 4-2-2-4-1-4-4-4-1-1 situation. Bertrand Trori has played up front as well before, so I think this allows us to become a lot more compact. McGinn goes out and helps out in the left, and we know that he can get up and down that field there. He yeah. can play, he's, he's played more on the left-hand side of the field this year as well. Louise and Akamba sit in front of the back four, almost in the same situation that they are there. And Sanson comes in and plays that wide right player there, the wide midfielder, 
not not so much as an attacking midfielder, the more wide right midfielder offers a small bit of protection to Cash, but mostly offers that outball to kind of go forward from deep if needed. And then Bertrand Troy has more or less free free range to move more into the centre. And Watkins, obviously, as we know, is very comfortable playing out in the wing too and moving out and taking it taking it from 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 the the wing as well. I would play that. I think tech tactically that is a very good setup against the Spurs team because I'm terrified that they, I'm terrified of allowing them play directly through us and I'm terrified of the fact that if they do that and even if they go long against us that we're just one Harry Kane shove of an arse into one of our our center halves to make our center half go flying over their shoulders and then Harry Kane turning and putting the ball in the back of the net because we know he get he gets away with it. I don't particularly mm. agree with it. I don't think it's 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 a foul. It should be a free out. But, or else he's awarded a penalty. Or else he's awarded a penalty. <laughs> but but it's 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 not to have a crack of, of of Harry Kane. It's just that it's it, it's something I could see happening. I'm something I could see happening, and and I want us to compact that midfield as much as we can for once. And I'm okay with a nil all draw in this game. That's where I'm coming. That's where I'm getting at with this setup. I'm okay with a nil all draw. I don't for a minute think that, that Dean Smith sets up like this. Not a chance in hell. I think it's Louise McGinn, Ross Barkley. I think it's Bertie and, and El Ghazi and Watkins up front. And I think that we go with that. We go with the tried trusted, familiar to Dean Smith, and we might win. Yeah. I don't think it'll be El Ghazi, though. I think I think it'll be Trezeguet. Well, maybe Trezeguet, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe Trezeguet, I, think, so. I, think, I think El Ghazi's chance was, was last week to prove himself, and he didn't. And he, he had a great opportunity against the poor side, and he just didn't take it. So I, I think it'll be Trezeguet from the start. Yeah, maybe so, maybe so. But this yeah. is the this is the lineup I would play. I think it's kind of more along the lines of the lineup you would play as well. I don't think Dean Smith is going to play it, but it was a bit small, a bit of fun to have a look at this. Is how we set up. Obviously, this all becomes a mute point if Jack Grealish is in there, because if Grealish is in there, I think it's it, yeah. we might still see this. If Grealish is in there, we might still see. We, we've probably got more of a chance of seeing this midfield three of McGinn, Louise, and the Camba if Grealish is in there, um, and then Burton Troy on the right hand mm. side. So it's. Uh, yeah. You know that that to me is more more plausible that it would happen. But if Grealish isn't there, we might see Barkley back in the middle of midfield as well. Mm, I think I, I think Barkley needs Grealish in order to to succeed at what he's doing. You know, it just frees up a lot of more space for him, um, and it allows him to get a bit closer to Watkins, which how he played earlier in the season. Yeah, that's true. I just I, true. I can't see Barkley being in, involved from the start if we don't have Jack Grealish. Yeah, and as you say. Jack Grealish is in there on the left hand side. It changes most things. Sorry, I just realised that when I was saying that, I got that mixed up. I meant if Grealish is in the team, we've more of a chance of seeing Barkley. If Grealish is out of the t- out of the, the, the team, yeah. I'm less comfortable <laughs> with seeing Barkley in there. Sorry, exactly. I confused. Yeah. I, it was just as you were saying it back to me. I went, "Wait a minute, did I say that incorrectly? I think I said that incorrectly." Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, that's that that's cool. Um, what's your what's your what way do you think it's going to go Saturday or Sunday? I think it's going to be a nil-all draw. I think we're I think we're going to both Mourinho each other, and it'll be a nil-all draw. Um, I'm just going to grab the bulls by the horns here and say that we are going to win one nil, and Ollie Watkins will score very late on, and it's really going to piss Mourinho off. I just have that feeling about this game. I don't have it all the time. I just think we need. A performance. I think we're going to get a performance. We're going to be defensively solid. We're going to keep it tight for sixty minutes, and then we'll push on and get the goal. 
And that would be just reserve, just rewards because we didn't mention it to Ali Watkins uh, for his first call up to the England absolutely. squad. And that and guy must everything. be absolutely buzzing at the moment. Yeah, yeah. And I'm I'm looking forward to you know, I I, I really envisage him having a super game again on Sunday and, and putting that work ready into show because you know eight o'clock kickoff is a good chance we'll see Gareth Southgate at the match again. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of uh, work to be done to push his way into that team and you know what there's three games there he might get 20 minutes here or there i maintain he might even start they might even start him against san marino like what's to be lost they play san marino you know he could play uh, Mm. like an absolute like completely different change squad for that three games in the space of two weeks why not and when san marino i think is smack bang in the middle that uh, i think that would suit him i would be very surprised if ollie watkins doesn't get uh, a game and also if jack Grealish does play on Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised to see Grealish called into the squad for maybe the Poland game. Mm, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Might. No. I think he might. If he plays 90 minutes on Sunday, I don't. I, I think it's. I think it's. It's plausible because, yeah, they've got. Uh, they've got some pl- new players in the squad this the this time, or they've got some players coming back, like like Lingard and stuff like that. But they don't have any player like Grealish in there. Yeah. Whether Smith allows him allows it happen or not, or you know, I don't know. Maybe that might be, you know, it's buying the sky. Just, but. You know, I, it's been said so many times, but I just think, uh, my, I, I don't know what it is. I don't believe that Southgate has full trust in Jack Grealish, and he looked for any opportunity to leave him out. So regardless of whether he plays on Sunday, so. I, I, I think he, he's made his decision now. And he's got three games without Jack Grealish to show that somebody else can do the same job. And that's what he wants to happen. Better that's news my, for Aston Villa. That's just my opinion. Better, better news for us. Better not news better for Aston Villa. For, for, for Jack Grealish you know, himself. England, England fans and, and Villa fans, which obviously we don't fall into one of those categories. But um, for me, I'd be quite happy too if he stays at home for the next two weeks, uh, rehabilitates oh. properly and 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 gets, gets maybe a game in that behind closed doors friendly that Wesley is going to play in. Absolutely, absolutely. But the most important thing is we have him here for the run-in. The run-in yes. now is is make or break time. Um, I think winning on, on Sunday will be a bonus. Um, I do think we're capable of snatching a 1-0 win. Um, and then we, we re- re- regroup after the, the international break and we go for a big time then in the run-in. Excellent. I, can, I, I, I can't disagree with that at all. I want him there, but if we don't have him, that's absolutely fine too. Um. I think we're going to leave it at that, guys, because I've got about a half an hour of an interview with Matt Hayes from um, from the Tottenham Blog Podcast coming up as well here. Really, really great guy. Super, really knowledgeable uh, young man about Spurs. Um, does some really, really great stuff. He's had some super guests on his own podcast as well. Um, so I was really, really delighted to speak to him. Fellow Limerick man as well. So, uh, you know, that seems to be the up-and-coming hotbed of, of football <laughs> podcasting at the moment. Uh, but, guys, next we're going to... Uh, Go to pop in this pre-recorded uh, interview with Matt Hayes as well. So thanks very much, everybody, for listening. And I uh, hope you enjoy this interview. So I'm joined by Matt Hayes from the Tottenham Blog Podcast YouTube channel. And you can get him on at Matt Hayes THFC. Matt, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm all good. Thanks so much for, for asking me to come on. I'm looking forward to this chat. Brilliant, brilliant. I've, I've watched a couple. I know we were supposed to actually get together to do something on... The week of the previous, uh, when we were supposed to play previously, which was obviously um, thrown into into doubt with with the coronavirus outbreak for Aston Villa at that time, and um, 
you know, that was a pretty strange week. And I just want to kind of, I suppose, before we get into this game, I want to get your thoughts on that week because Mourinho wasn't too happy at the fact you guys had to play Fulham. And I can't imagine he was too happy with the result afterwards. So do you think there's a small bit of bad blood maybe coming from Mourinho's side with regards to this game on Saturday? I think there's a bit of bad blood coming from Mourinho's side and, and everything that happens to, throughout the season that we all know. Uh, we know Jose all too well at this stage. But but yeah, uh, there was it, it was honestly only really coming from the club. I think as a fan base, we were kind of relieved not to see us come up against a, a, an informed Villa side um, and we playing against you know, Fulham, who of course were, and I suppose still are fighting relegation. But yeah, Jose, I remember there was you know, these videos going out on Instagram not knowing like what was going to be happening and players were upset and stuff like that. But look, at the end of the day, you, you have to be ready for things like this, especially in such a, a tumultuous time like this. And the results then from that game, um, I know you talk to 99% of Spurs fans, and they will blame Jose Mourinho for that, but you know Mourinho doesn't like to, to take the blame for things. But yeah, it was, it was a strange old week. And look, of course, the, the main thing is that Villa got through that uh, sort of worrying couple of weeks at the club. But yeah, it's just the, so it's the, the, this is what the season has become really, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and like, I suppose really that was a kind of a catalyst for, for, for Aston Villa as well, because, we've kind of lost a small bit of our spark and sparkle and, and a bit of a razzmatazz since that time. Um, some players have come back, namely Ross Barkley, and players of his ilk have come back and, and they're finding it a small bit more difficult to 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 kind of grab the game by the scuff and the neck and, and, and that kind of those the swashbuckling performances that we had, you know, even grabbing the last-minute winner against Leicester, last-minute winner against Wolves. I know that was just prior to Christmas. It was a late penalty. But, you know, the fact that we were pressing for goals late into games uh, and making chances that weren't just aimless kind of crosses into the box, that kind of gone from Aston Villa at the moment. So I think that this week, the week that we were supposed to play Spurs when the game was obviously halted due to coronavirus, I think it might have had a bit of a swing for Aston Villa. And it might actually, you know, I know that you guys are kind of, you've got a couple of things that are probably weighing on your mind with regards to injuries, red cards and so on with this game coming up the weekend. But from a Villa point of view, you know, this is a real acid test. Throughout the course of the year, we've failed to beat the teams in and around us that we should have beat, we should have beat, i.e. Sheffield United, we should have beaten. We lost one, or, you know, we, we didn't take any points from that. Um, we drew nil all with uh, Newcastle. Uh, sorry, one all with Newcastle, the week just gone as well. We struggled against teams we're supposed to beat. And now this is going to be the first real asset test we have that when we come up against the team that is expected to, to beat us, can we find that form again? What's what's the, the the Spurs outlook? I suppose with regards to this game, taking into account injuries and the and the cards that you had last week. Yeah, the the feeling around the Spurs camp is as it has been all season. Really, is kind of up and down. You know, we went into that game against Arsenal at the weekend with uh, five wins on the bounce. Which look, I know you can say they were against a relatively weaker opposition with Wolfsburger and Dinamo Zagreb in the Europa League, and then uh, the likes of Palace, Burnley, and Fulham in the Premier League, but. It was the first kind of time since, I'd say really since we were top of the table back in, in November, December, where, where we did feel we had a bit of momentum, where we had you know something that we, we could feel we could build on. And having gone through such a bad two months, all of a sudden we, we, we put together a few victories and we, we felt we were back in that top four race. And that you know positivity around the fan base is something that you know isn't, isn't often felt with the, under a Jose Mourinho team and, and Spurs fans are coming to know that all too well. But one defeat is, is just such a big setback for this team because we're, we're always questioning the mentality uh, you, you question, you know, Josie and his his kind of reluctance to keep a a structured eleven there, a structured sort of you know. You're, we never really know the eleven that we are going to play, and the, the worry will be there going into that game on Sunday. Of course, missing Lamella uh, through the suspension he picked up in that in that derby game. Now he's he's a player who I think uh, splits the fan base uh, more than any other at Tottenham. Really, it's either you love him or love him or you hate him, and he showed both sides of of why people are like that in that game on Sunday. But 
in, in terms of injuries, Serge Aurier is uh, in and out of the squad. He was on the bench in our last couple of games. I do have a feeling he'll play in the Europa League, so maybe uh, he, he it will be Matt Doherty for this one. But aside from that, La Celso probably will be out. And Hoingman Son, actually, despite going off with a hamstring injury against Arsenal, could actually feature in this one. Uh, that injury is, isn't as, as bad as first feared, but... Don't tell, from, Don't tell me that. Don't tell me that. I have to give myself some sort of confidence as well because I'm, I'm, I'm not looking forward to this game. Um, but the, the main stat that I'd be looking at going into this one is um, back in December, Spurs beat Arsenal uh, 2-0, which, oh, what a great day that was, um, to go top of the Premier League table. Now, since then, we've played eight mm. teams in the top half of the table and we've lost all eight of those games. That includes Everton and the FA Cup. So looking at Villa just peeking their head out of the top half uh, in ninth in this game, I'd be kind of worried about that. And, I suppose it's Spurs are in a similar boat where we're not beating the teams that we should beat. You know, so many Spurs fans will tell you about the the one nil leads we've had in games this season against teams that we should be going out and beating three four nil. Uh, we Crystal Palace at Selhurst Park. Uh, we that Fulham game that we played in place of the Villa one earlier in the season happened us against Wolves, where we had the chance to to really kill the game off. We took a one nil goal lead and sat behind the ball, and we were hurt by teams who you know, if they're going to be pinging the ball into the box from uh, set pieces and corners, who are going to score against us? And ultimately, that that is what happened. And I imagine if, if that is the what happens uh, at Villa Park on Sunday, look, if, if we get a one-goal lead, I'll be delighted with that. But if it is the likes of, you know, Ezri Hansa, Tyro Mings, the, the big men really uh, getting on the ends of crosses, I think we could be in a similar situation to that. And the only thing Spurs fans would really be looking for this one is for us to just go out and play good football. Because one thing we're, we're really talking about after that game on Sunday is, it, the worst part isn't that we lost away to Arsenal. It's the manner of how we did lose. Players looked like they uh, they down tools after someone went off the 20th minute. There was no real desire. There was no fight. And if we went out uh, on Sunday and you beat us by a goal or two, but we actually went out and we had a proper goal, I think then the Spurs fans will be kind of appeased because we know this isn't going to be a successful season. We know we're not going to be the team uh, lifting any any major trophy at the end of the season. Of course, we still have the chance of the, the League Cup and the Europa League, but it's a, it's a case of how we failed this season, if that makes any sense. Um, and, and hopefully, look, hopefully it's, it's not an ultimate failure. Hopefully you do pick up big points like that. But there's there's a lot riding on the next couple of games for, for Spurs and for Jose Mourinho as well, because a lot would argue that Jose is only still in the job because of the cup finals he's got us to. That's a really interesting piece. There's two pieces I want to pick up on that there as well is, you know, the fact that like through the course of the Premier League, obviously until, until we went down, you know, which uh, is obviously going to be a blemish on our Premier League record. But through the course of the Premier League from when it was, from its inception, Villa and Spurs have been very, very, very much side by side. And mm-hmm. now an eight, seventh, six, seventh, eight, eighth position finish for Spurs is seen as an ultimate failure. And you're going to, you're kind of mitigating the loss of failure at the moment, like at, mm-hmm. at this moment in time. Whereas I suppose we're on the rebuilding path. And for us, eight, seven, six, seventh, eight, ninth, uh, even fifth would be fantastic for Villa. Like we would jump for joy. I can I can see a lot of Villa fans if we were to get into Europe this year. Villa fans taking the taking the week off work and going celebrating. You know because of where we were, the fact that we almost went into administration two years ago, we we would have been Bolton, Bury. You know those teams that probably, we actually would have been more like like Bury. We would have we would have probably gone out of existence. And um, it was that close. Uh, and it was only a matter of hours in it apparently. But right. the fact that. I suppose where our where our paths deviated was Daniel Levy started running you guys with his accountant's hat on, <laughs> and then we 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 got some guy in that that didn't really have a clue at all. He started running it with his with his championship manager hat on, and, and things went 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 askew somewhere, um, and things were bad. But um, so that that's a really interesting piece, you know, to to hear that, and you know, we want to get back into that place where eighth place is uh, is is considered a poor finish for Aston Villa. But the other thing you mentioned there was that you'd be happy to get a goal and sit back. 
uh, this this game, as I uh, as I was kind of prefacing it to one or two of my mates, was saying this game is going to be is going to hinge on if we can out Jose Jose, because there is no better team in the league than Aston Villa at the moment than parking the bus with a one 0 lead. You look at all our wins this year, but we win games, we get a lead early. You look at our looking against Arsenal, you 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 probably like this more this example more than others. We got a <laughs> we got a lead against Arsenal the first ninety seconds. Ollie Watkins deflected goal. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, we sat back and we defended brilliantly. As you mentioned, you mentioned the two boys in the, in, in the back, uh, Ez, um, Ezri Kansa and Tyrone Mings. Absolutely fantastic. Matty Cash is back in our lineup, gives us not mm-hmm. just the defensive solidity, but it also allows our allows us to be a bit more, um, how will I put it, adventurous on the right-hand side. With Ahmed El Mohamedy in there, we've been very much playing a 4-3-3 and having John McGinn or even like even Ross Barkley has played in the middle and we just can't get the best out of him because he doesn't have that license to play up front. When Ross Barkley plays for us, he almost plays as a second striker. It's He's not even an attacking midfielder. He literally stands on Watkins' toes and the two of them break uh, either side. Mostly he goes to the left uh, over towards Jack and then Watkins goes around and lives at the back post. That's usually what you tend to see from Aston Villa. But... Um, it's it, it's very much going to be that. I think both teams, we could see an ill-all draw here, you know, uh, next next weekend because it's going to be so pivotal who scores first because we don't tend to win when we concede first and we don't tend to lose when we score first. So it's uh, it's going to be an intriguing chess battle, I think, more so than anything else. And saying mm-hmm. that now, it's probably going to be a six-all draw. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anything for the entertainment, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do, do you think that Jose is, is probably... Would it be fair to say that that Spurs fans that Jose divides Spurs fans at the moment? The fact that his 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 stubbornness and tactical uh, and changing up his tactics and uh, and I suppose just playing his way or the highway. Do you think that's a? Yeah, yeah. I think look, wherever Jose goes, there's always going to be that divide because you know is it anti football the the way he plays or is it a proven method of of winning trophies? You know, the the sad I always bring into it is. Jose Mourinho has won more trophies throughout his career than Tottenham have in their history as a football club. So I think for for the fans of a club like this who haven't won a trophy since 2008, haven't won a major trophy since 1991, to to see this man come in who's won everything there is to win in the game uh, throughout the clubs he's been at, and for, from day one to to question the methods of, of how he did this. And I think personally, first of all, saying that he did that in terms of came in and parked the bus straight away is, is another fabrication. I don't think that was the case because you look at our first couple of games uh, that he was at the club, the the, the very first game was against uh, West Ham at the London Stadium uh, in it was, well, November 2019. And we went 3-0 up there. And the fact that we, we kept attacking them and kept trying to get their goals, they got two goals and nearly got back into the game. Mm-hmm. Then his second game against Bournemouth, it was the exact same story. We went 3-0 up, they got two late goals back. And the moment for me, which was a, a real turning point for, for Jose at Spurs, because last season it, it wasn't, we weren't parking the bus. It wasn't typical uh, old-fashioned Jose. It was it was a bit of everything, you know, kind of approaching the, the game based on the opposition and, and trying to out-tactic them rather than us playing our own game and hoping that works against everyone we come up against. Whereas this season, he started out playing quite attacking football. And you look mm-hmm. at you know, our first two away games of the season, we won 6-1 at Old Trafford and 5-2 at St. Mary's, which you know you're not going to do if you are parking the bus. But the moment where it all changed for me was we played West Ham uh, at home this season. We went 3-0 up, and I'm sure everyone remembers it, uh, West Ham fans quite fondly, I'd say, uh, where they came back from three goals down in, in the last 10 minutes of the game, and they got a draw. And I think at that moment, Jose Mourinho realised that with the defenders we have at our disposal, because we missed out on a lot of centre-back targets in the summer, with those centre-backs we have at our disposal, we can't play that really attacking football and continue to for that to be effective, because 
our, our defenders just aren't good enough. Like it's an aging Toby Oliveira, it's an Eric Dyer who you know he could play like Paolo Maldini one day and then he could play worse in centre half than a cat uh, the next week. <laughs> you know we have Davinson Sanchez who is he's an athlete more than a footballer. You know his his positioning yeah. is poor, his defensive awareness is bad, but oftentimes his his strength and his pace kind of helps him recover that. And Jose realised we can't afford to play attacking football that would expose that back line. And one one of those games I mentioned a bit earlier when we played Wolves at Molyneux. We, we got that one goal lead and we sat back and we, we defended it almost from, because our goal came after 30 seconds and we defended it almost from that very moment. And Spurs fans were given out and blaming Jose Mourinho for that lead uh, being thrown away. Now, I blame Ben Davis, who lost his man in a, uh, at a corner with five minutes to go and Roman Slice headed at home. But how I looked at that game was we played, um, it was a back three that day of uh, Ben Davis, Eric Dyer and Toby Alderweireld. If we had played a high line and we continued to attack uh, Wolves for that game, at any point when they get the ball in the transition there, when they have a damage Rory, Pedro Neto, uh, Fabio Silva, and uh, I think it might have been Poland's playing in there as well. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, that attack is getting in behind doors and they have a, a free goal on, on Hugo Lloris. So it, it is down to the personnel that is at, is at, uh, is in Jose Mourinho's squad. And then it comes back to this this big discussion about the board that you always have about Spurs and, and not getting those targets over the line. You know, our, our chief scout was off in Milan over last summer trying to secure a deal for Milan Skriniar, and, and it never happened. So... I think Jose Mourinho, of course, he's 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 underachieving at Spurs. He should be doing better than he is. Mm-hmm. But the the reason that that is is his squad isn't there, and every fan knows that Jose needs money to be successful wherever he's at. And I, I am a critic of the board because in the past they have let us down. You know, Bruno Fernandez, uh, six months before United got him, we had a deal secured, but at the last minute, uh, Daniel Levy tried to change the structure of it, and Sporting Lisbon uh, pulled out. And two weeks later, we nearly had Paulo Dybala, and a very similar thing happened there. But I am a firm believer that Daniel Levy appointed Jose Mourinho with the intent of giving him the money that he needed, 200, 300, 400 million, whatever it was, to go out and win trophies. But all of a sudden, we were struck by a global pandemic and that money isn't there. So I, I, a lot of Spurs fans would disagree with me on that, but I, I do feel as though that is the case. That's really interesting as well, because like the narrative out there, if you were to ask me, sum up Spurs in four four sentences or less, first of all, I wouldn't be able to do it because I never shut up. But <laughs> the big thing would be that I would say, Levy tightened the purse strings because of the new stadium. And what he wanted to do was not fall into an Arsenal situation. Sorry to keep on bringing up the arch rivals as, a, as a, an example, but not fall into the Arsenal situation where you needed to up the prices for tickets so that like to such a sky high level to pay off your your stadium and then be using that as an excuse for essentially not being able to spend spend on players and i think levy is cuter than that because i think he sees he sees the wood from the trees and the fact that no point having a big shiny sports car if you don't have anybody who wants to jump into it you know so uh that's that's the thing there i think that maybe i i, I would have said from the outside looking in that he has been financially prudent for maybe two or three years to build up a, a buffer so that the paying off of the new stadium wouldn't affect the um the on-field transfer transfer business and also i think i read somewhere and you can um you can correct me on this but did spurs make something of like did they was did they have some sort of world record profit based on tradeability there was some some mad statistic where spurs were apparently the most profitable football club in the world last year based on something I can't remember what it is. Yeah, I, I honestly I don't know what it is either. But we we uh, recorded club record profits for. I, I yeah. think it, the, the number coming to my head is something like 156 million. But now that I say that, that sounds a bit low. But essentially, what well, we did with that stadium is. I think it was based on based on commercial contracts and stuff like that. So basically, you hmm. guys, I think Spurs maximized the amount of money they could possibly brought in within the pandemic more than any other club in the whole entire world last year. It, it sounds like a Daniel Levy thing, to be honest. But I think then where, where this trouble starts is over the next couple of years as we begin as we begin to repay that stadium. You know, it, it's a billion pound stadium, but eighty percent of that was paid for by the NFL, 
Um, and now in, in yeah. the coming years, we're going to have to start repaying that. And there's reports at the moment of Spurs being £1.17 billion in debt, which is uh, an incredibly concerning number. But um, I suppose we haven't really seen too much in the transfer window that that's been affecting us. You know, last summer, we, to be fair, we did spend a, a considerable amount of money compared to, to other teams around. But yeah, I, I think no matter what happens with Spurs, finances will always be a point of discussion. You mentioned there a couple of names, you know, Skriniar, Devala. You mentioned that you were close to signing those guys. Um, I mean this in the best way possible, and don't take offense. But is that would that would those two guys? Because look, they're they're huge name players, and look, Spurs have 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 attracted huge name players, and that's not what I'm trying to get at here. But um, with the relative lack of success that Spurs have had recently, yes, you got into the Champions League and so on. Do you think it's the Jose Mourinho factor that would have brought those two people to the club? Or would it have been, hey, look, Spurs are there? Or, because, look, you know, Levy's going to be tight with the purse strings. And that's not just being, that's not just, you know, saying it about Daniel Levy. I don't know whether he pays well with contracts or whether or what the story is. But do you think the Jose Mourinho factor gets those deals over the line? Yeah, I, I would say so. I think that that is another reason why why Levy brought Jose in. You know, it's it's not just for the trophies. It, it does. It's the it's the commercial aspect of him being at the club. You know, I was listening to actually a YouTube video a while ago. Um, Abby Grace Summers, who is uh, she works for Sony Sport and covers all the Tottenham games, and she was saying since Jose has come in, uh, it's it's only India she works for in India and around a lot of Asia. The the interest in Spurs has doubled, tripled, almost quadrupled because of. You know, when Jose Mourinho's there, all of a sudden people say, oh, look at Spurs. You know, what's Jose yeah. said in his press conference today? Or, oh, Spurs lost. I might watch the highlights to see what Jose was like. And there, there is that commercial aspect to it. But as well, he he will attract big name players. And look, people know he's not the, the manager he was before. You know, I always use the example and look, I'm, I'm the one bringing up Arsenal now. But when Arsene Wenger came into, into Arsenal Football Club, everyone said that he was 10 years ahead of his time. And that's why he was so successful in the late 90s, early 2000s, because he was just ahead of the game and he had something that the rest of the managers didn't. But for me, where his biggest problem arose was the fact that he never really changed his game. So 20 years later, when Arsenal sacked him, he was 10 years behind everyone. Yeah. And I feel that there is a risk of, of Jose Mourinho kind of going down that same path, because you can look at that Real Madrid team in 2012, the one of the best counter-attacking teams, maybe even the best counter-attacking team you've ever seen. And look, yes, things did work out for him in terms of the personnel he had there at Mesut Ozil, uh, Angel Di Maria, and, and of course the... The, the big one, Cristiano Ronaldo as well. But maybe that style of play just doesn't work anymore. And we have seen change more in a decade than it probably ever has uh, over the last 10 years, both in terms of, you know, kind of more competitive teams. Uh, the lower teams maybe been a bit more competitive towards the top and the, the discussion of VAR, which is, has changed everything for me as well. So maybe Jose is a bit behind like that. And maybe that's something that is swaying these players perhaps to to not choose first. But in terms of getting those discussions started and and actually getting players interested in the club, I think saying come to us, we have Jose Mourinho, will still have that effect. Like it, He's a big name. Uh, for, until the day he dies, he'll always be yeah. a name that will attract someone in football. I think he'll attract people, but maybe at the end of the day, he could be turning people off as well, which is mm. probably makes the first part kind of pointless as well. It's amazing what an east slide down the touchline will do for you in a very big high-profile <laughs> game, isn't it? Yeah, it really gets people in India looking in to see if you've, if you've got anything funny to say. Um, the reason I bring that up, Matt, is because a lot of Villa fans here will be, a lot of Villa fans from time to time, and, and you see it creeping up again, you know, is Dean Smith the right man to take us forward? I'm very much in the Smith in camp. Obviously, Dean Smith doesn't have that razzmatazz and high profile. I maintain that Dean Smith brings a lunchbox to Baltimore Heat with him every day. And he's, <laughs> you know, his wife makes the sandwiches or he makes the sandwiches when he's making the sandwiches for his kids to go to school and stuff like that. And he just makes an extra two. I just think he's probably drives his Renault Clio to the, to the, to the club. 
pulls it in, gets out, probably doesn't even have the fully locking mechanism on the key. It's all he just like I just think he's a, he's just a decent, honest lunch pail guy, is what I would describe him as. And then you've got Mourinho who literally look Mourinho comes into the club, you gotta have like you gotta be ready for the cameras, you know, because he's gonna bring the circus with him, which is fine. And uh, you know, when you mentioned those names like Screenyard and Dabala and stuff like that, um I don't think Villa are going to be in a position over the next two to three to four years to be able to sign those guys. But I don't think it's because it's going to be because of Dean Smith, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. I just it, it's just interesting to see the the acceleration of um you know of of the the stature of a club, I suppose, when you do bring in an internationally recognized manager like that. But um so that's kind of why where the question was coming from. I still think we will sign some pretty decent players. You know, because we do have a very respected director of football now in Johan Lang, and we do have obviously John Terry has got a bit there. It's nice to be able to wheel him out every so often, you know. And uh, Craig Shakespeare is pretty pretty um, respected in and around the, the the Premier League. And look, Dean Smith is getting a lot of plaudits for the way Villa have played this year and the change in in formations that he's made. So um, it'd be interesting to see where our transfer strategy goes. Uh, you know, going forward, where 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 we actually take it, and if the likes of. Dybala are ever going to be tempted to come to to Birmingham um, as opposed to London because uh, there is that factor there as well I suppose might take a bit of money to, to convince them probably <laughs> look there's, there's going to be a new high speed uh, train line that's actually cutting through Bollymore Heat where, we, where our training ground is so you know okay. I think apparently you'll be able to be up and down from London in something like 45 minutes so you know we're getting more and more attractive by the day more and more attractive <laughs> by the day but um Judging by what you said at the start, I would it would be fair to say that you'd be hopeful but cautious, I suppose, of this game coming up. Even without yeah. like if 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 San doesn't make the doesn't make the team. Because like we didn't mention the elephant in the room. Villa are most likely gonna have Jack Grealish back. Oh that's what you <laughs> didn't want to hear. Um look, Son Son is possibly the 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 thing that decides this game for me because look, Harry Kane is our best player. And I yes. don't think anyone will yeah. tell you any differently. 16 goals in the league, 13 assists, uh, something like 42 goal contributions in his last 39 games, something ridiculous yeah. like that. But without Hoingman's son, Kane is nothing. And I like I, I don't say that lightly because I, I love Kane to, to absolute bits. And I, I do think Son may leave Spurs this summer, which is a, a big concern going into next season. But without Son, our, our team looks like there's absolutely no creativity whatsoever. And I'm to show the the effect that Son has in terms of if you're playing against Spurs and it's one of Son or one of Kane playing, that's all you have to worry about because our, our other players aren't really going to score any goals. But all of a sudden when the two of them are there, your attention is a bit drawn to, to one or the other. And maybe then when Son is, you know, dragging away a right back or kind of making those runs in behind the lines, which is taking the attention of the centre back so Kane can drop deep, all of a sudden he's he's an extra half yard to 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 do what he does. But without Son there, I think Kane is, is nullified quite a bit. And I'd be really concerned if Son didn't make this game that Villa could, if, if they did try and take the game to Spurs early on, that they, they could probably take it away from us just as quickly because on the counter-attack, again, without Son, there's, there's not really much that we do have to offer. We're great going forward. We're get, great getting into those attacking positions, but Lucas isn't going to put the ball in the back of the net every chance he gets. Same with uh, Lamella, same with Bergwijn. So I think without Son, I would probably lean towards uh, a Villa will in this game. And look, I, I'd never, if you, the last two, three months before that, I'd never, ever predicted a game against Spurs I, I just wouldn't do it. Like we could be playing uh, our under-18s team against Barcelona and I would have said, no, I think Dane Scarlett could pop up with a goal or two. But I've, I've just learned that there's no point in, in, in lying anymore. It's time to be realistic. And I, I do think without Son, Villa do probably edge this one. But with Son in the team for Spurs, it could be a very, very different story. And it, it just depends on what Spurs show up because, you know, 
I would have told you the best Spurs in the world would probably show up against Arsenal on Sunday, but it was uh, one of the worst performances we've actually seen from Spurs this season. So without Son, Villa win. With Son, I think Spurs may edge it. You say about your under-18s playing against Barcelona. Yeah, it's but like our under-18s going out to play against Liverpool in the cup. Oh, well, actually, that did happen. Yeah, yeah. And we did go win the up. You know, we did nearly win it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Louis Barry's goal there. Oh, what a uh, great moment that was. Uh, superb. Yeah, yeah, absolutely superb. Um, and he's somebody that we're, you know, we're, we're really, really hoping can, can can kick on. And we've got a great group of young fellas at the moment, actually. They, they, and a couple of them might even be on the bench. We've started to, to bleed a couple of them in on the bench recently. Uh, fullback called Kane Hayden-Kessler, um, a winger, tricky winger that we've just signed that was on the radar of Leipzig, Dortmund, uh, quite a lot, of, quite a number of teams um, in Jaden, Philogene, mm-hmm. Bades, and a couple of more, as I say, Louis Barry, Charlie Ch- Chuck Womenko. I butchered that, <laughs> but uh, it's Carney, we usually just call him. Um, but look, yeah, <laughs> so um, just in case you see any of those names on the bench, um, they may not get a game, but they, w- they are viable. You know, products of this of the of this underage system that we have going, which is always good to see. Um, like you said there as well, I think a lot hinges on Jack Grealish for Aston Villa here. Um, mm. we're not a one man team, but we're significantly better with him in the team, if that makes sense. So yeah. uh, we've like it's very difficult when you have a game plan that's predicated around one of the best attacking players in in the Premier League on form this year. Um, and when he's out of the team and. Uh, realistically, like our right hand side, especially when we've got Trezeguet in it, our midfield is built around this year around get the ball to Jack Grealish as quick as physically possible, and then become resolute. Let teams play through our middle, but defend fifteen yards outside our our uh, our penalty area. Push teams wide and get them to cross the ball in, and hope that Mings Kanza can get their head on it, and Douglas Louise stands in the in the the D at the edge of the area. And he stops anything from there. Last year, what we tried to do is we tried to match up and play almost cut the field down in half, play McGinn one side of the field to to basically just run around all over the place on the right hand side. Douglas Luis stayed central, and Connor Horahan then stayed on the other side. And while we were passive through midfield, what we what we found out what ended up happening happening was. Uh, Horhan and, and McGinn were too far forward. So what we've done now is we've condensed it down. We almost play a 4-2-3. Well, we do play a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-1-4-1. Um, and we're best when we do play those, when we start to transition through uh, through the three stages of, of the field. But re- more recently, without Jack Grealish, as I mentioned, we've been playing a 4-3-3. Doesn't suit uh, Ross Barkley. It's meant that Dean Smith has had to tinker with this midfield, bringing in Nakamba, who's been absolutely brilliant whenever he's come in. But you're losing your, your creative aspect there. Bringing yeah. in Morgan Sanson has come in. He's looked lively. Got a small. He has had had a small bit of a twinge or an injury. So we've just been kind of unlucky. We can't really figure out our midfield when Jack Grealish isn't in the team. So if he's back in there, we can go back to the four one four one formation or the four two three one, whichever way you want to look at it. Um, we're a completely different beast, and, and we're we're a lot better attacking wise because, as I say, it's like, you know. Jack Grealish, and you look at any of his statistical breakdowns, you know, he's up there with Kevin De Bruyne this year for, for what he's act, what he means to this team. So if he's back in the team, um, our odds would be significantly strengthened, I think. But uh, if he's not in the team, I think, I think we go out and we play against Spurs, we play for a draw, and I think we would be capable of getting it without Son in the team. I don't know whether we score. Uh, Ali Watkins for, is fantastic. I think Ali Watkins will be a dark horse to go to the Euros. Um, 
because of the work he does, I think I think uh, Gareth Southgate will just see this guy's like is a guy we could bring on for the last 15, 20 minutes of games if we're leading, and he'll run himself into the ground. He's difficult. He's a difficult proposition for Dyer and for Alderweireld. Um, mm-hmm. I, I actually nearly would prefer if if they don't play Davison Sanchez, which they probably will, because of his athleticism to stick with with yeah to stick with Ali Watkins. But um, mm-hmm. I'm not a fan of Dyer. I do, I, I I particularly don't rate him at centre half. I much like even if he was pushed into a defensive midfield position, you might get 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 away with it there. But um, that's maybe where we come where where we come up with something a moment a moment of brilliance from Ali Watkins. But uh, it's going to be really interesting. I think both of us will probably have a completely different opinion when we see the team sheets an hour before the game. That's the that's the one one gas thing about doing previews, you know. Yeah, so it's uh, always <laughs> it's one of those things. Um, Matt, that's fantastic. Thank you so much for popping on today. Um, we're pre-recording this in St. Patrick's Day, so we're taking time out of our busy. Um, so it's a busy day today of sitting downstairs grumbling about not being able to go to the pub. That's what my <laughs> that's what I'm doing most of my day. Today. Sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> so so thanks a million for taking the time, Matt. Um, do you want to give a plug to anything there that you've got going on over the next few days uh, on your own channel? Because I know a lot of the guys that watch this and listen to the podcast will check out other uh, other teams' podcasts to get the load on prior to games. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on. It's, it's been an absolute pleasure uh, chatting with you. Um, my YouTube channel is uh, Matt Hayes Tottenham Blog, and, and Neil will be on on, on Friday for a, a preview for the game. Uh, there will be a bit of talk about the Thursday's Europa League game as well, but it'll be mainly uh, looking at the, the Villa game. And as well, I do live watch-longs uh, for the game. So if Villa win and you want to see some Spurs fans cry, uh, head over to my channel and uh, you'll be you'd be bound to get some good entertainment there and Twitter as well as at Matt THFC. But uh, thank you very much for having me on today. Really appreciate it. I've tied it the idea of doing watch alongs, but um, you know, my biggest thing is I, I, I'll be here and I'll forget that I'm, I'm watching the game. I, get, I start <laughs> picking my nose or something stupid like that before, you know, it. then everybody is giving out to me on, on, online. But uh, <laughs> you know, I might it try it. Yeah. I might, might try it sometime. I might try to watch along. It might be a bit of fun. Um, Matt, thank you so much. Uh, as I say, best luck to Spurs for the season after Saturday, as we always say. But uh, thanks a million for popping on, and uh, you know, keep doing the great stuff on your channel because it's absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much, and uh, you know, as I say, may the best team win. Fingers crossed. Cheers. Podcast Network.